Bring yourself back online. Hey, 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 welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast where we dissect all things science fiction. It's me, your boy, Ben Young, and with me today, I have... Uh, I'm Bill Jarvis. That was weird. I don't know if I even did it right. It's your boy, it's your boy Ben Young, in the house. In case you... In case you didn't notice, this is not a normal episode of Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. If you've been paying attention to our Patreon and listening to Bill's wonderful futurism episodes, uh, you will know that this is bonus content that you get for paying us money. So thank you so much for doing that, first of all. Uh, We really, really appreciate your financial contribution, and I promise you it's helping go to making us a better podcast, a better business, and a uh, better entertainment platform as a whole. We were just talking about it, talking about how to wisely spend our dollars. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Yeah, I just wanted to thank I just wanted to thank the people that we know that have been supporting us and the future people that will be listening back on this and think yes. fondly of how uh, of how small we started. And also, we don't know them. Shush. Um, no, I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> They're not my cousins. Just kidding. <laughs> so today uh, we are going to go ahead and talk about Westworld season three. Uh, you may be thinking, hey, I thought they were going to cover that on the main podcast. Well, we were going to cover that on the main podcast, but we have a rule on the main podcast, which is everything that we do, our overlord needs to be able to moderate. And if he can't moderate it, then we can't do it. And unfortunately, his busy schedule, he just wasn't able to catch up on the very, very dense Westworld uh, last week. So we replaced it with <laughs> Men in Black, which you can listen to right now. <laughs> Basically the same thing. <laughs> of course <laughs> and uh you can listen to that right now wherever you listen to your podcasts uh but here bill and i were the only ones to fully catch up on Westworld and and finish up season three and i know we have a lot to say about it it's been really really hurting me keeping this in for as long as i have um so yeah, I, I you want to just want me to dive in with a synopsis, Bill? Yeah, I just want to mention that we are consummate professionals that watch all the materials except for Clone Wars season seven because I you know I don't watch cartoons you know that just seems very sophomoric to me. So yeah, no, mm. that's very adult of you. I like it. <laughs> I'm I just like kidding. It. Do you, are you also dead inside? Yes, I am, and I also love them anime today. So there's that as well. Oh boy. Oh boy. That's what you get. NC seventeen content on Patreon. (laughs) That's what you get with the bonus content. No filters. We have no moderator. We're gonna go off the rails today. Gonna go in the fucking sky into space. Alright, go ahead. If you uh if you haven't been watching Westworld, good luck in this podcast episode. But let me try and break it down for you anyway. The third season of Westworld follows Dolores, now running rampant in the real world, and her now and her new human recruit Caleb as they attempt to destabilize the system that is plotting and predicting every human being's life. 
Meanwhile, Bernard and Maeve each begin their own quests to hunt down and stop Dolores before she collapses human civilization as we know it. It's about as, as simple as I can break it down right there. Well, that original premise, I loved it when it was um, when this show was called Devs, and then they decided to make it uh, Westworld <laughs> Season 3. So that was really cool that they uh, decided to go that route and pivot in that way. So, but st- so that's a... That's a great like starting point, really. Like this, so it's this. Like we said, this was supposed to be last week's episode, uh, the episode after our devs episode on our main channel, and it. I'm, I'm actually kind of sad that it, it's not because what a follow up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm actually extremely least... sad because that would have been tight. That would have been like it's basically the same themes. I mean. So I'm going to try and like, ex- like uh, as we go, I'm going to kind of try and like explain things with context enough. So like, you know, if people are like, I'm not really into Westworld, but I'm curious as to what's going on, because like, I know there are a lot of people like that, okay. like they'll kind of like get an idea of what's going on. So the main like conflict going on this season, of course, Dolores wants revenge is is the big thing happening here. Dolores, uh, the host from Westworld, played by Evan Rachel Wood, the incredible Evan Rachel Wood does a fantastic job she's made it off the island of Westworld she wants revenge and she discovers that there is a machine um called uh, what, what is it Rehoboam I, uh, I think it's a ancient Israelite or something like that yeah Rehoboam yeah king of Judah yep. and uh this this uh machine um predicts the human evolution cycle and our our future and plots the proper course for order and we'll get into how it does that and how it kind of executes that as we go but upon learning that this exists and that kind of human humanity has been based humanity's entire existence has been based around Rehoboam um Dolores obviously is like well I'm gonna fucking blow that shit up (laughs) yeah well i mean that's the first thought right is that like when i see something that is um keeping peace in the world i want to blow it up because that's just how i roll i see i feel like okay now i'm getting too into it but i feel like dolores we're off the rails oh yeah no we're we're off the fucking rails (laughs) where we're going we don't need rails um but no i uh i i feel like dolores i feel like you said revenge but i feel like at the same time it's revenge, but at the same time, it's obviously liberation. Obviously, she wants to f- free the world or whatever, uh, going off of the world as a or at Westworld as an analogy for the world at, as a whole. Right. Um, she wants to free them in the same way that she did free Westworld, but the way that she freed Westworld killed a lot of people and she just doesn't seem to care about human life I, I feel like that's a big thing is the value of human life over freedom i feel like that's a huge theme in this um but i mean obviously obviously the main one that i do want to talk about is determinism and uh <laughs> chaos determinism and chaos because i feel like both of those things have uh have been showing showed up in the entire season. That was basically the entire season was free to free will and and determinism. Um, and may I say, I, I without being an expert, I think Westworld handles determinism in a much more 
um, mature and reasonable way than devs does just right off the bat we'll say that right out of the way getting out of the way i think it's it was so much more of a refreshing take it was something i could buy mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah, absolutely whereas devs was very much a fantasy this was science fiction mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely i believe i believe that as well i believe that um devs was a philosophical sort of journey um and uh, like you said fantasy and this was science fiction in a way that kind of explores human nature um as mm-hmm. uh you know we say these machines are predictable because they were the I'm going to go back, but they were the control of the park and the humans were the variable that they were trying to figure out, well, how does this variable fit in? And then, you know, obviously what they came to was, well, they're actually pretty constant. They're actually pretty predictable. So, like, are humans more mechanical and robot-like than we give them credit, than we give them too much credit for? You know, so it's like, you know, if if we said you have free will, you have freedom of choice, or, um, you know, does that really mean anything if we're still human beings at the end of the day? You know, does it really mean anything to say that you have free will in general? Which, um, as it pertains to the season, um, you know, maybe we should go back to Rehoban and start talking about that as a, as okay. a device, because I think that's cool. Did, what, do you, what do you have on that? <laughs> well, <laughs> so uh, the thing that interests me about Robo- Rehoboam is not Rehoboam himself, but Solomon. Mm-hmm. Solomon is the precursor to Re- Rehoboam, mm-hmm. and Solomon was diagnosed with a form of schizophrenia mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was an all-seeing, essentially a technological god that developed schizophrenia due to its creator, which is a fascinating concept in and of itself right off the bat. Yeah. But Solomon ends up developing a plan to be uploaded into Rehoboam um, to Dolores' plan, if you will. Or it wasn't Dolores' plan specifically, but it was the brother's plan. And you're going to have to forgive me. I need names really quick. Uh, Sirach, are you talking about? Sirach's brother. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a, it's been about a week. So Sirach's br- it was Sirach's brother's plan and Dolores seems to kind of be bent on it. She seems to think this is the plan that they need in order to succeed. So she uh enacts a plan to upload it to Reboam so he can uh it can uh enact the plan. Mm. Now with that being said, the plan seems to be the destruction of human, the human race, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that they were just basically de- delaying the inevitable. That's what they were basically saying is that, you know, humankind was going to wipe itself out anyway, but it kept the peace and tried to delay it as much as possible. I think that was the idea that Solomon had. Absolutely, and oh my god, I. It's so tough because I, I, I walked into this knowing exactly like what I wanted to talk about and now we're discussing and I'm like, there's so many ways to go. Like even going to that bombshell right at the, that we learned right at the end, which is that Sir, nothing Ciroc says are his own words. Right, absolutely. They are all, it's Ciroc, it doesn't exist. It's Rehoboam. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Th- that was which is 
what? that was insane no that's absolutely insane because <laughs> because you've grown to um you know hate this antagonist and uh and really like he personifies it and that actor does so well i'm trying sorry he's right uh that is uh vincent castle Cassell, I'm not sure. Sorry, um, Cassell, yeah, uh, Vincent Cassell. He does such a good job just embodying this antagonist that you love to hate and love at the same time, and uh, and he was just like he embodies this genius and this amazing entrepreneurial CEO, whatever. Um, and it's like, and then to find out at the very end he's a puppet, then you're like thinking to yourself like, okay, that kind of also indicates that any given human is a puppet, you know, is a puppet of determinism, you know? So it's like at the same time, <laughs> you know, that was bound to happen. Which we discover is the case. Everyone is acting according to Rehoboam's plan through the use of this, uh, this app that exists mm -hmm. um, that not all are participating in, but many are participating in an app that it literally, it's like a, it's like a Tinder for crime. <laughs> That's it, it. Yeah. There you go. It, it matches you with a job that you would be best suited at. And the idea of the Rehoboam, is controlling the app and it's using it to keep the outliers the people who could threaten its plan in line mm -hmm. Got it. i see you thinking well i'm trying to think of a funny pun i'm thinking like okay <laughs> so there is there's uber eats how do i uber uber beats or like <laughs> <laughs> grub hub with, with crime hub i guess maybe i don't know Crime Hub's yeah, good. That's good. I think it was called. I think it was called Rico, which is an interesting I thing know. too. I think the app was called Rico, but I, I don't. Anyway, know. there's so much. Um, it's funny because we like we we said to to Mark who almost finished this. We were like, it's not as dense as season two, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's yeah. still super dense. <laughs> it's a totally different show. That's. I mean, it's so different. Like it's a different show. Like the there was a cool little like inspiration in the first two seasons and then season three is just a different fucking like show movie like and i i was just blown away as soon as i got into as as soon as i got into that first episode where she murders that guy and uh and i'm just like uh, this is i understand that she was like a badass like killing everybody boom 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 but to be like fucking corporate espionage sort of like femme fatale like it, yeah. i just had no idea and i think that goes to show the development of dolores as a character who was you know this you know um i don't know this this girl out in the valley of some west world rancher's thing. the rancher's daughter yeah exactly some some bit part some bit player as she says um and then she gets to be this femme fatale uh killing these people to you know um liberate the human and host race so. so two things really quick number one I, I you're right it's a completely different show i always said that season two ends and you don't need to watch anymore like that if you watch seasons one and two yeah, you're good with that ending agreed. yeah however you'd be wrong watch season three <laughs> it's its best season so far um <laughs> with that being said i know you you said like you wanted to discuss rehoboam and i we we like started but then we kind of keep Mm -hmm. walking away from it off the rails, and baby. i think it's because we i think it's because we need to talk about everything surrounding rehoboam first mm -hmm. before coming back to it i think that's the issue we're having mm -hmm. no i think so and i want to mm -hmm. go, go ahead no no you go ahead before i go off the fucking rails again go ahead <laughs> i want to i want to you brought up dolores i want to talk about her 
Mm-hmm. Dolores has always been a point of conflict for me with this series, especially going into season two, and especially, especially, especially now. Dolores is a difficult character for me because when she's on screen, I'm on her side. And that's all due to Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood is a is a fantastic, charismatic actress who can own the screen whenever she's on it. And I'm always on her side. But the moment she's off the, she's off screen, the moment I'm with Maeve, the moment I'm with uh, Bernard, the moment I'm with with uh, William, even. I'm like, Dolores is a villain and needs to be stopped. Oh my god, I'm on this ride with you. Continue. <laughs> it's it's insane to me. It, it It's something that I always have caught myself with. In season two, I noticed it. And I, I started like saying to myself, I'm like, she's a terrorist. She is a full-on terrorist. There's nothing to do about it. And now, especially in season three, she owns the role. She's not walking a line anymore. There's no there's no Teddy to hold her back in season three. In fact, she picks her own Teddy, quote-unquote, which is Caleb, and she makes sure that this is not a Teddy that's going to hold her back. This is a, a Teddy that's going to egg her on. Mm-hmm. This is someone who's that's going to help her achieve her goals, not pull her back from being that uh, that violent force that is maybe needed. And that's the thing that I think needs to be talked about. It's, it's maybe my brain saying, don't change the status quo that is stopping me from cheering for Dolores 100%. Do you get what I'm saying here? Well, it's it, the, I mean, the cost of her actions are incredibly high. I think that's I think, you know, that's a huge deal like with any sort of change or movement or something like that. There's a lot of quote unquote sacrifice which means other people dying, you know, like and so like I I watch it and I'm just like Ugh. the more she goes on and on, the less worth it it is, you know. The more she she does, the less worth it it becomes, you know. Was it all worth it? I mean, I don't know. You know, it's it, and it's like so, okay, so we're talking about Dolores and her as a character and her deviance from, or a deviation from, you know, what was considered in the plan, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. coherence of, uh, of his plan, of its... Because, dis- because, and let me interject, because despite everything that Rehoboam can predict, for some reason, it can't predict hosts. Mm. Hosts are outliers, for whatever reason. They are, uh, they are the divergence in the plan. Right, right. Continue. Gotcha. Sorry. No, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. And the funny thing is, and I, I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but, you know, they kill 99% of the hosts off or, you know, like completely write them out, you know? And so, like, there's this divergence that happens, and I feel like it's, this is the only way I feel like the season could unfold in this way. I feel like if there was this massive sort of, Let's say in Dolores infected a hundred hosts and brought them out or something like that. It'd just be a different show, you know. And then you know Dolores being this single sort of you know terrorist cell, like you said, <laughs> um, you know, infecting other people and even making even as we find out making duplicates of herself and you know spreading that around and causing those um, was it divergences, um, you know. I feel like. No, I've lost the point. I've lost the plot. <laughs> I've literally lost the plot. Um, 
Yeah, but no, I mean, like, it's a good point that the hosts diverge because they're not human and they're, you know, seen as not the average human, which is the same as, like they said, you know, people with, you know, psychopaths and sociopaths and stuff like that, that they decided to lock up um, in those chambers that that they are seen as less than the average human, less than, you know, they're considered, you know, they're considered outliers but in a way you know considered less than and so the hosts are the same way they're considered less than as well so i'm thinking to myself are we making we're not equating you know psychopaths and hosts not that it really matters because the hosts are basically dead at this point except at the very end when william goes crazy in a hotel and you find out that they're breeding but did you watch you yeah, watch well, that Charlotte's... far you watch that far right yeah okay. i did I, I watched the post credits okay but I think where you were going with the Dolores train of Thank thought you. Please is, let me know. is that um, the the central theme around Dolores and, and kind of around early Westworld has always been around identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that Dolores has always struggled with is her own identity because she's played all of these different roles through her life. She's been the rancher's daughter. She's been the victim. She's been, um, oh, help me out. What was, what was the villain's name that she played? Oh God. Oh God. I don't know. Hang on. (laughs) Wyatt. Yeah, that's Um, it. That's it. That's it. So she played the rancher's daughter. She played the, the victim in the town square. She played Wyatt, um, according to Ford's plan. You know, all of these all of these stories for her are, are, are always clashing against each other. And this comes down to, I believe, since like we really want to like we really want to get into this. We really want to sink our teeth into this this shit. This is is all about the system Ford telling um, telling a woman her her identity Mm -hmm. telling her her place and dolores's choice to be none of these by the end of the day is her rejection of the system so when she arrives in the real world she has no choice but to continue rejecting the system correct that is her 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 identity becomes none of the things she's been given her identity is based on a rejection of all the identities that she's been told she should be so she's no longer has her own self. She doesn't have herself. She only has an antithesis, an antagonist, excuse me. She's, she, she becomes an antagonist to society, an antagonist to the system, and that is her self. That's all she can be at this point. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So she's basically the negative space of society. She's decided that she hates all of these sorts of, you know... Um, holes she's been pegged in and she wants to be yep. you know the square so i um yeah I, I i that's that's a really good point that i never really thought of before i mean it it makes a lot of sense when you say it um but yeah no i uh i wish i wish we were in a season where anthony hopkins was here because i love talking about anthony hopkins but <laughs> i do too it was, a, it was such a pleasant surprise when he showed up for season two we never we talked about season one but we never talked about season two mm. 
And I, I think when you go back and listen to me talking about season one, like you, you'll hear me like saying how much this show sucked, <laughs> <laughs> well, which is insane to me. Well, this is a different show, you know. This is a different, it's a different show, show, so like you said. <laughs> so you can say You're whatever you want right. about season one. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, when we're talking about her being becoming an iconoclast, I guess I would say to society. Sure. Um, yeah. Then. I I mean I I agree obviously it's there, and at the same time I'm thinking to myself she and herself is kind of a divergence of herself because we, you know we obviously see that with the the copies she made so she makes of herself is that like you see this separate character development in Hale as opposed to Dolores or you know mm-hmm. at the very end rebuilt Dolores, um, same brain though and then we didn't really dig into. Um, into the other versions that deeply i wish i really wish we could have but that would have been two extra episodes and you know hbo wasn't well, doing sorry that. i mean oh you you mean uh the different versions of dolores musashi and uh martin yes yes those are the ones i i really wish we could have gotten into those because they didn't really seem that divergent and it honestly this was a concept i know it's just really honestly this is all story this is just basically accept this as fact for the story for the sake of the story right but like a lot of it like you know like being embodied having the same brain as dolores but being embodied in a new body gives you um cognitive dissonance and it was it was just kind of a weird idea to me and i was like i didn't really get it uh, I don't know that that part to me, like if there was if there was like copied onto another brain, then that would make sense to me. This is, doesn't have any. So hear me, yeah, hear ahead. me out though. Uh, like I said, Dolores has no identity any longer. So when you place her into someone who has an identity, so I think what they're probably arguing here is that identity is formed by those around us, by those that we cherish that's and the fair. things that we cherish. Yeah, that's fair. Charlotte's identity. Really, Charlotte became Charlotte outside of Dolores when she began to focus on defending her son. And what ended up leading to her eventual break was the death of her son. Mm -hmm. So, you know, her identity was built around those people. Now, Martin... Martin's a little bit harder to to say, and same with Misashi. Like you said, we didn't really get a lot with them. Mm -hmm. But Charlotte's the whole idea behind like Charlotte, Charlotte, uh, Dolores, Charlotte, Dolores. It <laughs> yes, there we go. Charlores, Charlores, Charlores crushed it. Okay, continue. The whole the whole concept behind Charlores uh, breaking away from Dolores's personality is that she it was kind of an over overwriting mm-hmm. of of this empty space like we said this neg- like you said this negative space in society she has something to fight for she has something to live for and by the end of it all it's taken away from her mm-hmm. and who is she who does she blame by the end of it the the person who put her in this position the person that she understands she looks back and she goes you were nothing you you hurt me more than the people who actually hurt me. Mm-hmm. They did it because that's their nature. You did it just because. Just because you don't know. And I think that's an argument for, you know, when we come down to it, our identity is formed by those around us, by the things around us. The, our connections is what forms our identity. And I think that's that's fair. 
Right, right. And I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from with that. That's, I mean, that's kind of one of the, um, the essence of some of the things because like, like if we go back to Rehoboam, um, we, Rehoboam. Rehoboam, um, you know, when, it doesn't help that he always says it with a French that's accent. True. Rehoboam. Just um, <laughs> you can be song. Um, but, uh, I, uh, <laughs> There's not it's not an episode we say French that we don't say Yikabes <laughs> Um No, I uh I so, so the way that it functions is that it, you know, manipulates society in a way that creates the, you know, probability of the correct things, the correct things, quote unquote, um, things from happening or causing the correct things to happen, um, in a way by manipulating the things around other things you know basically one of the crime app the uh let's call it crime hub um or rico uh you know it's in fact it affects the world with small touches you know small background touches like that and so i feel like that is a way of saying that you can you know absolutely 100 percent influence a person's very identity by the surroundings that they are contained within so yeah, that I mean that makes sense. So to say, like, you know, there's a, you have a peaceful society, um, based upon how everybody interacts with each other, and if there's any outliers, we take them out of the equation. You know, that sort of psychotic, like we say, schizophrenic thought pattern that you can just, you know, you try to control everything. And honestly, that's, it's kind of. <sighs> That's another piece that's kind of hearkening to uh, human nature, the ability to control or the um, absolute will to control all of the factors that, you know, will factor into something. Even though there is chaos, divergences, we try to eliminate the chaos and eliminate the anxiety and eliminate the unknown all the time, but for the sake of keeping the status quo of keeping the status quo, keeping the track going, uh, you know, keeping your rails going, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and that's, that, that was, I mean, that's a big part of this. I feel like that could be like a overarching theme is that this is kind of human nature. Human nature is to control human nature is yeah. to take something be because that's what we have in our DNA because the more you know back in caveman days the more we controlled the more likely we were to survive so when we have this deep down desire to control the outcome of things even though they might not affect us directly but we still want to control them we still want to know what's that it's going to be okay in a way instead yeah. of letting go we do it in our lives still, even we, you know, it's, it's like, I was just, I was just post shared a post to Facebook today about like things you can control, things you can't, things you can control, you should hang on to things you can't control, you should let go mm -hmm. of. And, you know, it, it, it's, people will still futilely try to control things they can't mm -hmm. for no other reason than to try and keep control. Right. It's just the way it is. It's the way we're programmed. And furthermore, even going into Facebook, we should just point out that Rehoboam is happening. It happens every day on social media. It's been – studies have shown and proven that Facebook can affect your mood. And algorithms can program you 
to feel certain way ways. They could show you a post that makes you feel happy. You like it. They show you a post that makes you angry. You may share it if you, if you feel angry. You may comment if you feel angry. And from there, it understands how to affect your mood. These studies, this isn't fake. This isn't science fiction. This is stuff that is happening. And uh, I forget what university did it, but they did this massive study by using targeted ads in social media and found that if someone wanted to, they can reshape your entire emotional response to what you see on the internet. And I think that's happened already in a lot of cases for a lot of people. I think a lot of people react differently. I, I know I do. I actually have, have noticed it and have tried to pull back more and try and be less confrontational than I always used to be in my life because I've recognized that it's doing it to me. It's pulling it out. And I'm not saying that it's happening in a nefarious, nefarious way in the way that Rehoboam is, but it's still happening. Like, the like companies i work i work in digital marketing i work for i my, one of my jobs before i was laid off fuck that is uh what's to target ads and I'll, I'll tell you what here you know you know what fuck it i targeted ads um on for a uh medical class a medical career class company um for like phlebotomy classes uh, pharmacy technician classes. I targeted those classes not based on people interested in phlebotomy or medical assisting. You want to know the targeting keywords I used for that? What'd you use? Single mom. Happy to be mom. I, I, it is what it is. And you want to know why I did it? Because it worked. Right. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that, that I can do that. Mm-hmm. You are getting those things because I know the kind of customer that that client wants yep. and I can get them. Right. And so for those of you who didn't know, it's that fucking easy. Mm-hmm. So Rehoboam is not, you know, overall is not science fiction. Obviously, there are many science fiction parts to it. Right. But when it's, it's not to say we're not on the path. Okay, I know this is a totally off the rails, but I was just going to mention real Go quick. So anybody that's not into Facebook advertising right now, which is uh, which is a waste of money, don't do it. But uh, do Facebook it. advertising, the thing I found out, which amazed me, was that if you have an audience, if you have an audience list basically from Facebook Pixel, which you put on a website, if they visit, it triggers it. So if you have that... Um, so if you have that, you gain a list of audience members who have Facebook profiles and if you do and you can do similar audiences which basically are does all of the legwork for you so you say these are the people that have signed up in the past and find me people exactly like this and find me and get me on their timeline and don't stop putting me on their timeline over and over and over again I mean that's the sort of shit you can do. You can you can put a you know a list of people who have visited the website and went to a second page, and then you're like, hey, you didn't finish your you know submitting your form. You want to come back to us? Like you can you do that shit. Like everybody knows that that happens, but it's accessible to guys like us. Like it's everywhere. Yeah. Like Facebook sells your shit. They sell your your information. But yeah. that is Rehoboam. <laughs> Yeah, and this that's the world we live in. Like it comes to the point. Okay, people are, are are touting. You know, every once in a while, 
every year or two we get into a phase where people are shouting about privacy on the internet and we need to come to an understanding there is no privacy on the internet anymore there will never be privacy on the internet anymore if you're going to use the internet accept that your privacy doesn't exist mm -hmm. everything is public at this point right with that being said understand how your private uh, data is being used. Understand what kind of data you're giving to what kind of websites. Don't just click the accept button on a website when they inform you that they're going to be using your cookies. Understand what they're using it for and why they're using it. And if they're and if you don't like what they're using it for and how they're using it, it basically, if any of that comes down to anything except advertising. Mm -hmm. Don't go to that website. Yeah. Sorry to tell you. Otherwise, surrender any opinion you have on your privacy because you either choose the websites you visit or you don't go or, or, or you, you don't get a say. And that's that. Truth be told. Well, I'd love to talk about that for an hour, but um, so I. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. That, you're right. That's off the rails. But you're, no, no. I mean, home. but that, that that comes back. To, I mean, that's a huge theme in this is that there's no, you know, when we talk about decision making and free will and all of that stuff, you know, it's like there is no. That's a real, really. It feels like an invasion of privacy because it's like saying, it's saying anything any of your thoughts don't really matter any any of your any of your beliefs any of your you know tendencies uh, aren't just a fun thing about you they are they were already determined years ago they were determined before you were born you know these were things that you know you never had any part in you have no part of your life it is merely happening to you so i mean there's that idea that obviously incited riots which i love the na the name of the company by the way insight because it's such a good double yeah it's such a good double meeting you know how it works and most importantly <laughs> it, it, it they it could have been insight s-i-g-h-t well, that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah absolutely no that's I, like i'm just pointing it out for those people once again those people who weren't it was insight and i-n-c-i-t-e so yeah yeah because they incited riots riots with their insight um but no i uh i mean there's there's a lot of things it's like you know it's human nature it's human nature to want to control but it's human nature to also not want to be controlled so it that's what i guess that's the definition of conflict <laughs> you know it's like i uh, you know it's like i want to control this which involves you but you do not want to be controlled so now i will hit you over the head with a rock so it's like <laughs> so i mean that's 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 the major conflict is that um it's a uh, human control versus human freedom. Uh, you know, you have control, which can bring peace, but at what cost? And you can have freedom, but it it may be messy. You know, freedom means that unpredictability. Freedom means not in control. Freedom means it's not going to be pleasant, but you'll have a choice. You know, so that's like, yeah, that's that's a part of it. And it's like, I like that. I like that pre they presented the idea of determinism. Like with this whole thing with cho free choice and control, um, they kind of showed determinism as something that's not like physics, like they did with devs. They showed it as something that's, you know, human and societal, you know, and I love that part about it. And which, which it is. And, and furthermore, to extend on your point, 
freedom is more than just might not be good. Freedom is the death of everything, mm-hmm. is what the argument is, right? I, I the free yes, I don't know. <laughs> at least according to Robum and Solomon, according to two. Uh, for all intents and purposes, technological gods. Oh, yeah. In this instance, yes, it leads to the demise of humankind, yes. (laughs) So let's talk about that. Is the true weakness in humanity our ability to choose? Is is our our ability to freely choose our path? Is that what will ultimately be our downfall? Well, I feel like it's a... a that's a when we explore these kind of societal questions it's hard to not get political in a way that let's get political okay so i feel like in a lot of ways um our freedom does allow us to it a freedom in a lot of ways freedom feels good in a lot of ways freedom feels good people want to feel like they have a choice they really do um (laughs) And it's unfortunate for me to say, but in a lot of psychological studies, it's been shown that the more choices you have, the less happy you are with your choice. Right. And that's, it's actually, it's a thing. So like when people had, you know, the choice of, you know, 20 different paintings, 20 different art pieces, and they chose one, they were, they asked them a week later, how do you like that piece? Well, they said, well, you know, I'm getting kind of thought, thinking about that other one I saw. I'm kind of thinking about that. But then if people were given an art piece and asked a week later, what do you think about this art piece? They say, oh, I love it. It's perfect. You know, it's like there's a difference there because you were given choice and then you were not given a choice and you were unhappy with having the choice, but you thought you would be happy with the choice. So in a lot of ways, you know, the need for freedom kind of, I don't know. It kind of conflicts with our very nature. So we want to be free. I think I, I believe that freedom is a good thing because freedom allows us to do, you know, a lot of things with ourselves. Um, a lot of things in life, I guess, no, no matter where you come from, whatever. I won't even get into that. But, you know, it's like if we <laughs> I think about this um currently in the middle of this, let's date this, May 14th, in the middle of this coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 epidemic happening, pandemic happening, I think about the fact that people talk about freedom. People talk about, like, I should not be forced to wear personal protective equipment. And, you know, they, and people refuse the idea of herd herd immunity people people refuse these ideas you know maybe it's a lack of education i don't know but you know in a lot of ways people are coming from the uh, side of freedom they don't want to be impeded on their freedoms and so i feel like when you when you talk about a society that wants to be free is it a society that wants to be free for the sake of happiness or do they want to be free because of the idea of eventually being happy i I don't know (laughs) There's a lot of things that I could dive into, and there's a lot of things about America we could talk about. There's a lot of things we could talk about China. We could talk about Europe. We could talk about a lot of stuff. But um, then, yeah. then in that case, let's just explore one aspect of it, which okay. is we'll call the Dolores question: Is our freedom worth it if it just means if it if it means our destruction? You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Which is kind of, I guess, at the end of the day, the final point of it all, right? The point Mm -hmm. of Westworld Season 3, and we're not even close to done. I have so much to say about Caleb. But (laughs) um, 
is that's kind of the point, right? If, is freedom still worth it, even if it means the end of all? Caleb right. seems to land on the on the answer of yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I land. <laughs> I you know that's I think that's a fair stance to take. Is that I have no idea because that's because like I said before, I mean human nature is that you want freedom, but when you have it, I don't know, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's always points. I think there's always points in everyone's mind, no matter what side of the political spectrum you land on. I think there's always a point in someone's brain where they're like, forced compliance works. Mm, Why don't we just do it? I've thought it plenty of times. You know, I'm I'm all about um, ostracization of anti-vaxxers i think if you meet an anti-vaxxer you should bully them relentlessly until they are forced to remove themselves from society or vaccinate their children those are their two choices at that point but then at the end of the day when you really break it down and you really like move past the gut reaction the the immediate desire for control as we've talked about uh that removes forced compliance removes all humanity from the situation does it not it will effectively render what makes humans special inert well i feel like i feel like ever since society became a thing that's been the conflict is that humans are animals that you know have fear anxiety and control um well, fear, anxiety, and um, and then when we're given freedom, we turn destructive um, in a lot of ways. At least, at least you know that one to five percent of us that ruin it, you know, ruin everything um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like, and so you know, like I feel like even going back to like feudalism, even going back to you know fiefdom. If you think about it, like, like the reason that people subscribed to these. Um, you know, to these ideas and to this, you know, sort of caste system is because it was predictable, is because there was predictability, there was safety, and you accepted that these people took all the power from you because they protected you from the, you know, outliers. So they protected you from, you know, your entire village being killed because you pay them taxes. You know, you pay taxes because you want to feel safe. And so, like, that's, that's like... That's like been part of society and, and government since the beginning, but that is since that is, and this is this is where I'm going to go with this. Um, that is because our genetic evolution is being completely outpaced by our you know our intellectual evolution. So in a lot of ways, you know, the fearful caveman or the fearful ape that we used to be is still here, and so we are doing this and. Uh, we're doing this and we need something to control us. And so we give up all of this. We give up the freedom because we know that we no longer live in a place that we're allowed to be free without destroying ourselves because we're animals. And so, you know, we, we, so we build up these inhumane systems, these not, you know, these systems that aren't considered, that aren't considering humanity, that aren't considering, you know, what it's like to feel something. They, create a forced compliance to 
keep the peace and to keep you safe. And so it's like, that's, that's the real struggle is that like, do we, do we go back to living in the woods and uh, you know, like, and living in our huts or do we, you know, have a futuristic dystopian, no choice ever sort of future, you know, which one's less shitty, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I have two piles of shit. (laughs) <laughs> which one's less shitty this one smells like pine needles so i'm gonna pick that <laughs> yeah fuck this is all i'm sure the thoughts these are all the thoughts running through the mind of caleb nichols throughout the series are westworld's newest character um to be to enter on the scene ah, next to Sirach, but fuck Sirach. Aaron uh, paul. caleb nichols <laughs> aaron, paul. By aaron paul aaron paul yet again gets roped into something much bigger than himself <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't want anything to do with it by the end of it <laughs> he doesn't wind well, up hating I, the person though so that's good that is true and he, he actually kind of embraces his role by the end of it so for those got, folks at home, if they don't know, Aaron Paul was in the show Breaking Bad. He was, and he was very good. And then in that movie, El Camino. Did you watch that? Nope. It was good. Not great, but good. Anyway. Uh, Caleb is an interesting character because he kind of represents... Um, a, he, he, he represents a lot of what happened to Dolores in human form. Um, Caleb started in the military. Uh, he was uh, trained on Westworld, in fact. The military, it's revealed that the military did a lot of training with Delos, um, uh, using hosts as kind of like hostages and, and terrorists, and they used those to train. Um, he defended Dolores early on in her life, which is why she chose him. Um we find out towards the end she chose him out of the crowd it was not a random happenstance and after being in the military he exited with his partner to uh unknowingly work for rehoboam um to take out outliers he is an outlier himself his partner was an outlier and rehoboam tasked him using the crime hub app to uh take out other outliers like himself and when they became a problem it turned them on each other Aaron Caleb and his partner turned them on each other and that's kind of where Caleb's left he obviously survives he goes on to live his life as a construction worker um and then is wrapped up in all this fucking bullshit that he didn't ask for Caleb I think represents and i and i mean this sincerely the most realistic human response to robots i've ever seen at least in westworld (laughs) he's like okay i get it but this is still fucked up (laughs) there we go perfect i love that i love that because especially since if anybody's listened to ben young before he hates robots so especially Um, dolores's type mm -hmm. do not like that um (laughs) No, but uh, I I find it I f- every time Caleb was on the screen I perked up because first of all Aaron Paul is has strangely become an underrated actor since Breaking Bad 
Did you yeah, notice that? I, you know, that I have noticed that. I, I've noticed the lack of attention I've seen for Aaron Paul, honestly. Seriously. He tried movies, and I, I guess it didn't work out, which I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see him back in this, and I hope that he's going to be a mainstay into season four mm-hmm. because he's fantastic in this. He's brings this A game every second he's on screen. He's and so fucking good. He's so fucking good. I just, I just thinking about thinking about the season again. It's so fucking good. He's such a good actor. Use he's him. Fantastic. He's fantastic. And, and additionally, his partners too. His the people, not really his partners, but the people he kind of ends up on jobs with every once in a while. They're 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 a lot of fun. But I, I it's so I don't know where exactly I want to go with this, mm-hmm. but I know I want to talk about it. Caleb is hesitant along every step of the way, but is accepting of Dolores's explanations, Dolores's actions fairly quickly. He is not your usual character that needs to like struggle with like the, Oh my God, I can't believe you killed those people. Like he's like, okay, whatever you killed those people. I don't like it, but I'm going to go with it for now. And he understands it in a way that your usual character doesn't either. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean when I'm like, it's my favorite response to robots so far. Because I think that at the end of the day, especially given Caleb's background and who he is as a person, it makes sense. Where it was so easy, it would be it would have been so easy to write drama um, for drama's sake, where he's like fighting against her the whole way, and it's like, no, you can't do this, no, you can't do that. It would have been so easy to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Instead, you write a character that becomes so easily radicalized throughout the series that it makes you stop and wonder: Would it be that easy to radicalize me? If yeah. I was put into that position, not even that position, something even more inno- innocuous than that. If someone were to give me a choice to fuck the system, would it be that easy to just say, fuck the system? And I think that's really what the argument for Caleb's character is. Is that he is a human who has been screwed his entire life and has had enough. And at that point, when he accepts Dolores' offer, he doesn't know he's been screwed by this system his entire life. When sure. he learns she's a host, he doesn't know he's been screwed by the system his entire life. He knows that he's just a worthless cog in the machine at this point. He doesn't understand like his his place in the grand scheme of things. But he he's he understands he's a cog and he understands that he's expendable as it is right now. When Dolores meets him, she tells him that Rehoboam predicts he'll kill himself in 12 years mm-hmm. which is infer- interesting information for any of us if someone were to be like you'll kill yourself in 12 years i'd be like really i think yeah. it'll be much shorter but okay oh god um, <laughs> there we go let's go there no um but it, it, it's it's an interesting uh take on humanity especially in the with the parallel of william running around which we can get to soon i'm sorry ben that, that was an inappropriate response to what you said what i meant to say was oof <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you no that, i'm okay You're welcome. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no but um 
And that's I, I think that's really all I have to really say about Caleb. You know, once again, a lot of Caleb is human Dolores at the end of the day, and it's it's you, we we've said so much about Dolores. There's not much more to say about Caleb in that regards, at least in my opinion. But I think it's important to note that he is the he's the he's the human element <laughs> at right. the end of the day. Well, it's it's, it's honestly very interesting that with Caleb and, you know, Dolores, because Dolores had many lives before that she had forgotten. And Caleb is the same in the same exact situation. And so, Absolutely. you know, the hosts, the hosts are basically, you know, the hosts are basically being treated like the outliers. And, you know, the way they were treated, it didn't turn out well. So, you know, I, I mean, if you if you equate it in that way, it's very easy to do that because, I mean, this is I feel like this is a very specific instance. So it's kind of hard to generalize this sort of idea to, you know, the idea of radicalization. But, um, you know, if somebody's been lied to their entire life and then they pull back the curtain, yeah, that's, I mean, you instantly radicalized at that point. But I'm saying, like, he isn't, he isn't, he's radicalized before he hid the curtains pulled back That's on his life. true. That's true. I mean, he was just dissatisfied. I mean, what was, what was, what was the motivation there? What was the motivation? I mean, I'm honestly asking you, what was the motivation for him becoming radicalized before he, he even knew any of the facts? It was her showing him Rehoboam's plan for him. Mm-hmm. It was that, his, his track. That and, set him off. And even then, he wasn't fully on board, of course. It took the, the choice to protect Dolores still. I mean, the, honestly, the moment the moment she got him is the moment she, he chose to protect her, the moment he chose to try and save her. That's the moment she got him. Right. So I guess I guess it, what Westworld's really saying is the moment we sympathize with terrorists, we'll become terrorists ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Which... You know. Honestly, this whole show is basically the Ronald Reagan, you know, we do not <laughs> we do not negotiate with terrorists. That is our policy. So <laughs> yeah. oh. just say no. Just say no. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh that was no had an inappropriate joke. An okay. inappropriate Reagan joke. Um You can always edit it out, it's fine. <laughs> no, I won't. I just won't say it. Um so there's Caleb. Do you have anything else about Caleb? No, not really. I, I love him. I love Aaron Paul. I love what he did with the character. I think that he's a very integral. Really, I feel like I feel like I was watching him the whole time. But I was so just because after watching the first two seasons, then watching season three, I I just hooked on what happens to Dolores. I'm just like, right. you know, is there some sort of term with that character? And so Caleb kind of became secondary in my mind on accident, and that's kind of a tragedy because Aaron Paul is such a goddamn good actor. Um, so I mean, and he's that, he's he's the boy in charge now. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, mm-hmm. yeah, Dolores is is dead, and. Caleb and Maeve are are the new the new head honchos. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right because that's yeah, that now he's the new Dolores, which I mean, they're going into season 4, right? That's confirmed. Yeah, it's yeah. confirmed it's happening. Uh late 2021, I believe. Got it. So they're they're going into season 4 and Caleb is the basically the leader of the revolution, I guess you could say. 
you know, they didn't really go into any sort of government structure or anything like that. Was everybody just freeballing it at this point? And just like Rehoboam was just kind of guiding everybody? Well, I, you know, we're definitely like, I can't say for sure because you're right. Like, we don't really right. know. But it's like a, it's definitely like a cyberpunk oligarchal state. Right. It exactly. seems to be. Um, Delos has a very vast amount of control. Um, Sorox company, um, Insight seems to have, obviously. So, uh, there was a, was that, was he an investor or a senator? The one guy um, who was the father of John Gallagher Jr. Oh, fuck. Delos, the you're one, talking about? No, no, no. Mm. Over at Insight, um, Sorox's brother wanted to kill him. Got me. I'm sorry. I guess I didn't watch it, it, close it, enough. It's a, no, I mean he was that one. He was kind of like a one-off character. It was just mm. it was when Sirac was giving his backstory about like Paris getting nuked, and then they had an investor. And uh, you know what? No, I don't think he was a senator. I think he was he was the owner. He created Insight. That's what it was. He okay. created Insight, and he was yeah. So he he invested in them. Gotcha. Um. You know, we could... Maeve and Bernard were unfortunately mostly underutilized this season. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, it's like... I'm like, fuck, we forgot two main characters here. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's, it is such a bummer in some ways. Like, Maeve had very cool moments. Maeve kicked ass for much of the season. Um... But as to whether mo anything she did was was fairly significant, you know, like in the grand scheme of things, she was always a puppet. She was always a puppet of somebody else. Exactly, and it took her till the end of this season to get there. Mm -hmm. And Bernard was just kind of winging it the whole time. He didn't really even know what the fuck he was doing. Right. He was like, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna put this fucking crown on and pass yeah. out for. <laughs> two months for undisclosed <laughs> amount of time i uh that enough was enough time okay. for a thick layer of dust to form <laughs> <laughs> which who who wasn't checking that motel room right somebody's not doing their job all i'm saying is that in a free enterprise economy you cannot just leave a room sitting by itself for a year or whatever I, but um, he clearly came out of it with something he well, clearly knows something. That was... Fuck, I forgot what it was called. One second. What was the place that he went into? Bernard had access to the... I always call it just like... The sublime. Sublime. Host, yeah, there you go. I, I always call it a host afterlife. I yeah. Forget. So now he has... The, the sublime, though. So yeah. he explored the sublime and came out with something? Maybe I wasn't watching hard enough. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, so, I mean, that's, that was the kind of the click, and then it's like, oh, I've got something for you, and then, boom, we're going to season four. That's, I mean, that's, that's what Bernard's role is going into that, is that he's pulling something out of the sublime to basically share as a host, because, I mean, the host, you know, host race is being built, you know, as shown by William. And did they? Yeah, and, yeah. good. Oh, I was going to say, in those, I, I wasn't able to fully pay attention for the one with William. Uh, did he die in that? Did, did they show his death, or are they, or are they probably just going to lock him up in a cage or something? I'm going to get to that in a second. Got it. Because I did want to say, season three, as far as the hosts go, it's Dolores' story. Mm -hmm. You know, 
like we love our Bernard, we love our Maeve, but that would they're saving that for four clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was a lot of putting Maeve and Bernard in the places they need to be for the next part. Um, now William is the last thing I wanted to talk about tonight, uh, because holy shit, <laughs> um, I do believe he was killed at the end of that. Yeah. I don't think they're going to put him in a cage. I don't see why Charlotte would keep him prisoner. Um, it's been a long time coming. He probably should have died in season two. But I was still surprised. Mm. I was still fairly surprised to see him meet his end to his own host duplicate, no less. Well, the entire the entirety of season two going into season three... I feel like the entire time I'm thinking like, oh, Ed Harris is a host. Ed Harris is a host. Ed Harris is a host the entire time. Like, Even it, he's thinking it. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, it was intentional. But then I see, you know, he is about to be killed by a host, uh, William, um, which I love Ed Harris. He's so good. That's Ed Harris. So right? Yeah, he's so good. Yeah. I love him in anything he does. Um, he's fantastic. Yeah. But um yeah, no, I mean that and that really threw me off. Honestly, the part in the end, the fact that he, the part at the end with the hotel and the fact that, you know, the receptionist is just like, "Who's this guy?" and then calls security and he shoots a fucking guy in the head. And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Dude. And he's just like, "I know you got hosts in the I know they're breeding in here. I know they're breeding in here." And I'm just like, "This guy is is a fucking has lost it." And then he goes down and you're like, Oh, you right. mean at the end? He didn't shoot someone in a hotel. That was a Dale. Oh, that was I'm Dallas sorry. International. I don't know that why was I Dallas thought. I don't know why I thought he, it was a hotel. he did. He did shoot someone in a hotel though. It was someone who he had called for help, and they're like, "Fuck you!" And he's like, "Okay, bye." Mm, it was when it was that? during the riots in L.A. when he was still in his jumpsuit. I don't know. My brain put those in two different places and then smashed them together. So you're good. But the po- yeah, you're right. The post credit scene, he shows up at Dallas International mm. and just decides to go go outlaw on his own company. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And and William is is so great. Like, so I need to say really quick because season one, I hated William. I hated everything involving the flashbacks. You know, you can go back to our Westworld season one discussion and listen to me bitch about it for 24 hours straight. I it, it was awful. It was stupid. It was cheap. The the whole like twist of like, oh, this William is in the past and the man in black is actually present day William. I was like, oh, my God, we called that in episode two, you pieces of shit. You needed to draw this out this long. I was so mad. Season two, I didn't watch. I skipped it until our good friend Kyle was like, no, you got to watch it. You have to watch it. And I watched it. And I was like, OK, you're right. I'm sorry. It's good again because they're not relying on cheap, you know, twists. They're, they're telling a story finally with characters and, and something to say. Now in season three, here we are with William, a character that I've had a love hate relationship for a very long time. And I gotta be honest, it was sad to watch this dude fall into the deep end because at the end of the day, if there's any character that I think I identify with the most, it's William, right? Like, knowing me, like, 
it's him. Like, he's like, fuck this, I'm gonna kill every host out there. Like, yeah, no, totally do it, man. <laughs> That's what right? you would do. That's what you would do. I know. I know. I'd grab a I'd grab a revolver, put on my dad's cowboy hat, and walk out on a horse, like, let's do this shit. <laughs> Ben, where did you get a horse? Those are incredibly <laughs> expensive. I know where to get them. I'll go find <laughs> I one. got a horse guy. I get a cowboy hat the, guy, and I got a the, horse guy. I'm good. The great thing about horses is you can just hop a fence, jump on one, and ride away. They can't catch you. Is, Pro tip to rut stealing that, horses. Is that is that is that it? That's that's They're, how that works. Okay. Got it. What um, are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? Get in their car? No, I'm on a fucking horse. You're on a horse. You're you're all terrain vehicle, okay? An all terrain uh, fucking vehicle. <laughs> and furthermore, I have a cowboy hat. What are they gonna do? They can't do shit. Why don't we anyway. do that? Why don't we ride horses in the army? <laughs> like I don't understand why that went away. <laughs> they do ride the horse. They they ride horses in like the Middle East. Hmm. At least they do in Call of Duty. I assume they also do in real life. Oh, of course. Um, so, uh, so I feel like one of the one of the reasons that we uh, that we get so we get so defeated about William is because we just came to understand him a little bit better. You know, his darkness and these little flashbacks and these amazing Ed Harris acting with Ed Harris scenes. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, so like I feel like that had a part to do with you know being kind of bummed that he was dead in the end and i i feel like i feel like the entire time i really wanted william to be fake and then when he wild actually and then when fake william comes in and kills him like (laughs) all right now i don't want him to be fake can we have real which which is so great because like at least we have him still next season you know what i'm saying right right absolutely like at least he's here with us still um yeah ed harris's agent is amazing <laughs> I think it's important to to really celebrate William because at the end of the day William is the everyman of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I said like yeah, like we'd all be easily radicalized as Caleb, but um despite William's wealth, William didn't William didn't start in wealth as we learned in season 2. Mm-hmm. Um you know, season 2 was some of my favorite William content there is like everything with his father-in-law um the experiments with creating a host of from a human some of that stuff was was golden content and i want to go back and rewatch it at some point because it's not fresh in my brain by any means season two is about some of the densest material of television you could watch it, it, it you should you should be taking notes when you're watching it um but at this point, so so like like I said, William is not born in wealth. He is he's he's a, he's a dirt born, as you will. He gains his wealth, and he reacts in a way that I think many of us will. And his death at the end of this season, he's a capitalist. At the end of the day, his death at the end of the season is a is the representation of the death of capitalism. It's a representation of a change of a status quo that I don't think any of us was expecting, which is another reason why we why we took his death so hard. We weren't expecting it. Mm-hmm. I think that's and a good point, yeah. Not to mention, here comes Charlotte walking out a lookalike of William saying like, hey, guess what? We're going to fuck your shit up. 
the idea that the idea that humanity's end is going to come wearing a black suit, riding a white horse, is something poetic. And that really all comes down to something Bernard said as well about Dolores choosing Caleb to be the one to enact her ultimate plan at the end of the day, saying that Dolores was programmed with a sense of poetic justice, saying that humanity would be the ultimate downfall of humanity, mm. not her. And I think that comes all the way around back to William. Is and, and once again, Charlotte is still partially Dolores at the end of the day, even if she has crafted her own identity since then, she's still crafted with that same sense of poetic justice. So the idea that this William, this host William, is now going to be essentially what I would assume she is going... This is going to be her trump card. I assume this is going to be her her chance to take it all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This, this capitalist, this, this wolf in capitalist clothing that she's going to walk into Delos and be like, hey, this is your new boss. Mm-hmm. Humanity, uh, you know, this all comes down to the simple idea of artificial intelligence and our our creations will be our downfall, you know, at the end of the day. Right. It's a fr- no, but our, creation, our creations won't be our downfall. Our creations will turn us on each other. We will be our downfall. Our creations will only bring to light what we have always kind of thought we knew about ourselves Mm -hmm. i guess is what i should say it'll be it'll shine a light on on true human nature you know the fact that we are already going to destroy each other you know that's that's what the creation does that's what the frankenstein you know rehoboam does you know and um and i guess of the host i mean i mean a lot of that like in season one i feel like there were a lot of allusions to um that idea of uh, a Frankenstein, of uh, yeah. of uh, you know a creation uh, that will destroy us, is um, I feel like w- with a uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins, I'll call him, uh, with uh, yeah. Sir Anthony Hopkins in the first season, um, and he's like sitting there, and as as one of these hosts is being created, and there's just this light this lightning sort of happening at that point i'm like thinking my entire side the entire time i'm thinking like okay frankenstein frankenstein this thing is gonna kill him isn't it and i was like (laughs) and that's that's what was going through my mind the entire time i'm like oh my god this is this is what this is this is you know this is his own downfall you know in a way you know and and that's i don't know that's that's the thought that i have had since um season one that you know that anthony hopkins was frankenstein of this entire thing and um or uh sorry robert ford ford was frankenstein of the entire um of the entire human race apparently ain't that the truth yeah so that's what i got <laughs> that's what i got too man we talked for a good long time like, that about was, this. What was that like an hour and a half hour 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 10 minutes hour and break. 17 minutes okay yeah, but like I'm taking some time out. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Let's uh, let's dive into good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Yeah. Okay. We're doing this format. Okay. Sounds yeah, good. I mean, why 
not? Let's why talk not? about it. Let's let's say let's say what it is. Okay. Let's just you know. I think we both. I think if you've listened this far, if you can't guess what we're about to say, then you haven't been listening. Yeah, bad sci-fi, one hundred percent horrible. Oh shit! Just, oh fuck! I haven't been listening. Fucking horrible. <laughs> just look at who made this flaming piece of shit. No one get in here. Um, Bill, what you got? I I think it's good sci-fi. I think it's great sci-fi because of everything, every single thing that we've said in the last hour and a half. Um, you know, it's like it makes you question humanity. It makes you question humanity's role in its own demise. It makes you question the tools of of humanity's demise and the fact that we create the tools of our own demise. And um, and at the same time, we have this desire and hope and optimism that keeps us, you know going that keeps us seeking freedom that keeps us um you know thinking that you know thinking about the horizon thinking about the next day and so you know there's there's all these things about humanity and and these things these sorts of ideas of humanity are coming from non-human sources in a lot of ways and it like makes you think like are we are we good enough you know, like that's that's the question I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, are we good enough or not? And you know, in the you know, in a lot of people's opinion, probably not. But yeah, no, it's it's good sci-fi. Maybe ask a lot of questions. Maybe think about a lot of fundamental truths. So yeah, very good sci-fi. I I have to agree. It's it's great sci-fi. Um, which if you would have told me in season one, I'd be saying this about season three. I would have laughed at you. Uh, it's it's great sci-fi, fantastic sci-fi. Even I think this is some material uh, as far as like determinism goes, as far as artificial intelligence goes, as far as all of these like sci-fi concepts goes. This is something that is kind of become required viewing. I really think that you need to watch the first two seasons for context. It's, it's not standalone and by any means, but it is a different show. Uh, and and like you said, Bill, these hosts are a, a very, very clear mirror of who we are as people and who, you know, they they learn they learned it from watching us. <laughs> and uh, Dolores, I think Dolores even says at one point that she learned most of her stuff from what from us, from humans. Mm. And that's it. I mean. At the end of the day, I've said before and I'll say it again, the downfall of humanity will come from humanity. We are our own greatest weapons. Mm -hmm. And as to whether that means we should be forced to be compliant or not, I cannot say. But I can say that if you watch Westworld, you'll be thinking about it more. So do that. The end. So... Bad sci-fi? I'm not sure. No, I said great sci-fi. I said great. I said even even maybe fantastic sci-fi is what I said. Well, fuck. I'll go back to the tape and listen to that. Well, no, I just not 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 those words. You said something about society. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. I've been drunk this entire time. It's the prestige. I've been drunk the whole time. Pull back the curtain. Oh, this has been fantastic, Bill. This has been a wonderful conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for, for having joining. Me. I mean, wait, I didn't have you. This was a joint operation. Mm, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Joint operation. Hey, no, we gonna... weed smoking. <laughs> no, that's not legal here. Oh, okay. 
in Illinois. In Illinois. Uh, but they still have very strict social distancing. They can't meet. I was having a good time here, Ben. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are listening, if you're not aware, I'm not sure why you're not, but if you're not aware, follow us on Facebook.com slash Sci-Fi Cross Sections and on Twitter at SF Cross Sections. Of course, if in case you didn't know, we we release a podcast episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, every Thursday, uh, they're usually there in the morning. Uh, next week, as long as this... I'm committing. I have to commit now. Next week, we'll be talking about the new Amazon Prime show, Tales from the Loop, so check that out. Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon. Please tell your friends that there is this incredible content here. Uh, this month, we are also discussing Mars Attacks, mm-hmm. which is a request from a viewer. Uh, Bill's got a couple of cool futurism shit that he's doing. With You're recording some of the column, right? Yeah, we are doing uh, mining uh, the asteroids and mining the solar system. We're going to be discussing that, and yeah. So it might be... That's so cool. It might be infused with my usual monologue. I have yet to decide, so... All right, I'm excited. Uh, Mars Attacks, that... Um, and then I know, like, Mike, Mark, and I are talking to, like, some hawks pox maybe next month. Um, there's a lot of good content coming... We really appreciate you subscribing to our Patreon, and we hope you continue to do so. If there's anything you think we could do better, you could reach out to us, uh, and we're happy to hear your criticism. Thank you so much. Uh, Bill, you got anything else? No, that's it. I mean, yeah. I mean, in case case we get our patrons to uh, check us out every Sunday at twitch.tv forward slash once upon a tavern with underscores between the words. So let's just put that little pluggy plug in. Then as our overlord would say, until next time.